0: If, if you don't address the fundamental flaws within the basic training, it is basic, um, you're leaving yourself exposed, you're leaving your employees exposed, and ultimately, if you want to mitigate risk and perform this service, you need to provide additional training. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game.
1: Training priorities for workplace violence. Sean West and myself, we're going to be speaking with Terry Conlan, training manager at RFC Security based out of Ireland. This is a great segue from our recent workplace violence event. And I think looking at the training angle will bring everything slightly closer to our EP, CP and corporate security community. Uh, Sean, what are you looking forward to today?
2: It'll be interesting to hear from Terry because I did miss the workplace violence event. And I know Terry was going to be a speaker also. So it'd be good to actually hear his feedback on his thoughts on, you know, where it's going in Ireland and where he sees it going in that space. So, yeah, just get his thoughts on that would be very good indeed. And
1: Ireland specifically, I don't think we often have colleagues from Ireland on, you know, the magazine or on the podcast is ireland somewhere that features a lot in the ep uh, sort of calendar
2: it's a good question i mean we have a lot of members from ireland and the association and we have you know i know a number of irish guys who come out come over and work in the uk but myself personally going over there and working in the ep sector i just it doesn't cross my desk as such
1: that's okay and 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 that is a good snapshot of you know how well acquainted we are with the irish sector And why is Ireland uh, more relevant today? Well, obviously, with the changes with Brexit and so on, uh, there are more companies with offices in uh, Ireland. There's more companies with offices in both Ireland and the UK. So I feel that this is uh, also a line of inquiry we should uh, go down with Terry. So without further ado, let's meet Terry Conlon, and let's think about training priorities for workplace violence not just for EP, but also wider corporate security colleagues. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit Magazine. workplace violence and the protector today sean west and myself are going to speak with terry conron commercial and training manager of rfc security group uh, based out of ireland it's a pleasure to have you on how are you doing good Phil. good to see you guys it's great to be here great to see you and this is quite a timely topic because just last friday we had a whole event dedicated to workplace violence um I know you've worked uh, quite a bit on this subject, and and so I guess let's start off with our three quick fire questions. What, in your eyes, is wrong with the industry as it as, as applied to workplace violence right now? Well, we,
0: we it's funny that we're having this conversation because we ran an internal survey ahead of Friday, and obviously I couldn't make it. I had to go to Germany, and um, but we ran a survey across our employees that are specifically assigned to retail, which is where we see predominantly the most of this issue occurring. Um, and it has the growth has been exponential since lockdown mind you particularly in retail particularly in cities and there's so many caveats to that but from what we see the the quality of of candidate that's coming through the level of training that's been afforded to them and it's not mirroring what's needed now we we do try internally to address that ourselves the licensing system within Ireland is the the PSA which is the QQI level four training that's given to guards it's a it's similar to the SIA in the UK, and that's the basic training that they're given. That's constantly being looked at and reviewed. However, if, if you don't address the fundamental flaws within the basic training, it is basic, and um, you're leaving yourself exposed, you're leaving your employees exposed, and ultimately, if you want to mitigate risk and perform this service, you need to provide additional training. And We find, we feel, and, and me as the commercial training manager find, that unless we provide various levels of training, so this is... LMS training, in-person training, online training, real-time training um, and have that collaboration with operations and the management team that they buy into it also that we don't lose and we don't dilute what we're trying to achieve across the portfolio of clients and and staff that we have, we could lose it very, very quickly. So we find that the training is, is key and not training for the sake of training, but training with substance um, and training that employees, and security particularly particular, that we deal with, can buy into, can believe in, but can use. So whether it's conflict management, physical intervention, um, basic guarding skills, security awareness, again, identifying where the risks are and to the specific client, if the buy-in isn't there, and if we don't input that level of training, um, that's what we see as the, as the biggest risk for our business.
1: And, and what about you, You know, workplace violence as, as, as a topic, why are you, you know, even interested in this? What, what, what about your background? Can you tell us a little bit about where, where you're coming from? So my background fundamentally is I started off in the industry in 1990,
0: splash, whenever that was, six or seven, um, as a security officer in Dublin city centre, um, working on the miles, and that's where I began. And over the course of time, through experience, through promotion, um, and again, through education, going back to Portsmouth and studying the, um, the security degree, being involved with SIPTED with the crime prevention to environmental design I'm not pigeonholing myself to one specific aspect of the industry but rather standing back and looking at it as a whole absorbing I'm always open to learning even now listen to you guys wherever I go I, I want to kind of take little ideas off people and use them as best I can so my passion has come from from the industry I work in from trying to be as good as we can personally and as a business and learning and continuing to learn because anybody that tells you they know everything regardless of what levels of qualifications or experience they have, they're shooting themselves in the foot because the industry changes, the life changes, uh, COVID has changed, people's mindset, we see it ourselves, and we have to be agile enough to understand that, you know, things change we have to shift our mindset to address those issues.
1: And undoubtedly, that is one component of my next quickfire question, but what would you like the completely uninitiated to better, you know, realize, especially in the field of training, workplace violence? I would like
0: to say a more robust mechanism and again I can speak for our industry over here so the basic guard that comes in with his QQI level four training for his PSA license is not afforded the level of training that is required Um, and unless that training is given subsequently he does not possess the skills unless he naturally possesses them whether he's come from law enforcement or from a military background he does not have those capabilities to deal with a situation that arises and they happen every day. I see them come through in our daily reports um, whether it's a, a threat, whether it's physical violence, it does happen every single day of the week. And unless guys are given the training that's required, I would love to see and again without dancing around your question. I would love to see the, the training upskilled. I would love to see it over a longer period. I would love to see more substance. I would love to see it identify the various components that we've touched on in terms of conflict management, physical intervention, and not a, again. We look at the VAC acronym in terms of visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. You know, most people I deal with learn from doing. You know, they could they can read all the stuff all they want all day long, but as soon as they leave, they've forgotten. So I'd love to see a more robust training mechanism before people graduate and are given a PSA um, license.
2: Do you find workplace violence is increasingly coming in the jurisdiction of corporate security? Should, should it be HR that deals with these incidents and victims of the violence?
0: Yeah, it should be. So HR should deal with them. But again, we'd rather they didn't happen um, and to mitigate them from happening, to have the training in place from, from day one and from when somebody goes on site somewhere. So whether it's retail, corporate, whatever, whatever part of the industry that they go into, HR is a fallback mm-hmm. plan in terms of dealing with the aftermath. But we'd rather, we'd rather mitigate and give people the skills. Again, when we're talking about HR, we're talking about potentially uh, claims. We're talking about somebody being injured. People have families. So that's kind of the a- aftermath. We would rather give them the skills as best we can. Um, obviously, we can't tick everybody's box. Personalities are different. Uh, skill levels are different. But again, give them the foundations that they understand how to, um, how to mitigate something from occurring where there's no need for it to happen. We've seen incidents happening where uh, a can of Coke has been stolen. And, and a store has been absolutely destroyed for something that's worth one pound or two euro. Where, again, given the training and the understanding of the risk factors, um, if you're one security guard and you're dealing with 10 rugby players that are drunk from Wales or England or Northern Ireland or from wherever, can you deal with a situation like that for something that costs one euro? Or are you going to risk assess that and realise that there's a d-
2: different way to deal with it? So we, we need more training. Yeah, for sure. So how can security professionals balance de-escalating workplace violence, but still having to prepare for physical intervention?
0: A lot of it is to do with mindset. Again, we've seen we've seen over the past 20 years since, since I came into the industry over here, again, if you weren't from Dublin, you were a foreigner in security. Now we're so diverse. Diversity and inclusion is huge. We've, we've people in the industry from all over the globe, um, from mainland Europe to the Far East, to South America, to Africa. And again, those cultures and those mindsets are different. Um, The population as a whole is changing again, and and, and that inclusion is part of that as time goes by. But again, having the understanding when you do go into another culture, that it is different, that the slightest thing can trigger um, an unfortunate event, and giving people the understanding that it is a different scenario, that things can happen, different minorities, that we have the nine grounds of discrimination in Ireland. That's not everywhere. And making people aware of those nine grounds of discrimination and how to deal with them as something unfolds, and again, conflict
1: management, physical intervention following on from that. But 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 Terry, one thing I think is unclear to me as a generalist, where is the line when you suddenly say, you know what, de-escalation is not going to work. I need to involve myself much more, you know, physically. It, 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 when, when would that line be crossed and 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 who would be best placed to say that it's been crossed? And again, this is
0: something that boils back down to training Um, I keep going back to training and most of these skills can be taught Um, body language, personal space, understanding that if you intrude on somebody's personal space, you can, you can escalate a situation that doesn't necessarily need to be escalated. Individuals are intoxicated, whether it be drugs, illicit substances, alcohol, and knowing and using the skills you've acquired throughout your training that that deals with those situations and understanding when you've said you've reached the point in time where talking is over. And perhaps now is the time to step in, but you must allow yourself the opportunity to deal with a situation unless it's an extreme scenario where somebody's arrived in and then you're into violent critical incident training and stuff like that. But again, knowing when to draw the line and knowing when to go above and beyond that you've tried to speak, you've tried to be, to be courteous to somebody, but now the time has come where that point is gone and you must step in and, and, and deal with a situation and, and mindset and training are just part of that.
2: Yeah, I think communication is key when when dealing with all of these people. Unless you're trained in dealing with you know, different violent situations, and I think when people work on the doors, for instance, you know you get a lot of situational awareness by repetition and continuously working. Time spent on there, and you just get a, I think you get a sixth sense, and you and you know when the time is right, where you have to step in and maybe remove someone from a situation. You do. Uh-huh.
0: Absolutely. I trained in New York at the beginning of lockdown where we did the Alice instructor training. And again, the big part of that was drills, 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 drills. There's no point in being trained in something. And when it happens, you haven't trained for for four or five years. You just, you would have forgotten. No No matter what it is, if it's bringing the bin out in the morning, if you haven't done it for 10 years, you might forget how to do it. So, again, whatever level of skills are involved in it, unless you practice, unless you are aware of your scenarios, your situational awareness, unless you put them into practice regularly, like a fire drill. You know, everybody, everybody does a fire drill. So again, your conflict management is no, no different.
2: Yeah, it's, it's something we spoke about on lots of the podcasts. Skill feed is huge. You know, you, in your med training, your driver training, whatever it may be, unless you're carrying out these, you know, refresher training and carrying out work as part of your, your, your daily job, your daily routine, then feed does become involved.
0: Absolutely. And, and the problem we have with the problem I have and many people have with the licensing is uh, once you once you receive a license, you have it for life. There is no CPD. of that. So whatever skills you've attained, as as, as little or as minor as they are in 10 years time, do you remember the same skill set that you obtained? If you're using them day to day, yes, you will. But if it's something completely different, whether it's manual handling, conflict resolutions, whatever it is, if you're not using them on a daily basis regularly, you will have forgotten. So that's CPD is an element of the training that should be brought in. But again, with the unions involved, that's a different argument for a different day.
2: so so what are some of the most difficult situations that you've had to deal with that have had competing priorities I guess some instances of that I mean what if you're protecting a principal but your principal is violent I guess you're kind of torn between doing your job and also someone else may be the victim and doing the right thing
0: yeah and, and, and doing the right thing and again that comes back down to training to drills to mindset to culture and to understanding how to do it. But if I just give you a snapshot of what I touched on, again, last week, I just happened to do a quick survey. So what I'd looked at of, of 67 out of 200 employees came back to me. So it was quite a short, again, found even on Friday. Um, so I only had a week to kind of get this out there. So I had 67 employees that had come back to me. Within, with, with those 67 employees, 61 had witnessed a violent or verbally threatening incident in the past six months. That's 91% of that cohort had, had witnessed. Um, and then we looked at, have you been subject to a violent incident? have been verbally threatened or physically assaulted in the past six months. And that's really, 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 really high. Um, And the last one that I looked at was, have you considered a career change? And this is something we've looked at because our industry, especially in this country, is finding that it's quite hard to attract people into the industry. We're losing uh, individuals through COVID, through through rates. Rates have come down. Uh, And I looked at, have you considered a career change resulting in conflict resolutions, not being available, being assaulted? And 55% of people, so 37 people out of 67, had said they had thought about leaving the industry um, based on the questions that we posed to them. And that's concerning. So are they being given the level of training? Are they being given the support? And are, is it being taken seriously? So 55% of people looking to leave the industry or considering it is a
1: high number.
2: Yeah, they're pretty damning statistics right there.
1: And Terry, yeah. I guess, you know, we talk a lot to colleagues in the UK or outside but not often uh, Ireland and 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 for me that's a shame because Ireland is so close um what should we better understand about the Irish security scene as it were you, you mentioned certain qualifications mm. that are specific to Ireland um uh, o- obviously response to COVID has been different uh, uh you know that that's that's one thing that we hear about but what else should we know about when when we're trying to interact with our Uh, colleagues over in Ireland that's probably the best question you could ever ask me and
0: if I had a premeditated that's the question I would have given you to ask me because we see it quite a lot with with companies that come in from overseas whether it's the UK at the moment we see it from um, the far east and from Australia companies we work with and again they're not familiar with the legislation Uh, the biggest takeaway and and, and kind of a synopsis I can give you is one of our clients is based in Ireland and has stores in the UK and out of 130 stores in the UK in 2019, they had zero claims of cases of defamation. Zero. In Ireland, within 30 stores, they had 49 cases of defamation. And when I speak about defamation, you're looking at qualified privilege in terms of a security guard asking for a receipt uh, and the various connotations that flow with that. But we we see defamation again, flipping back to training, it's like the whiplash of, of 15, 20 years ago. If somebody has stopped and there's an ongoing case at the moment involving a major major overseas retailer who's fighting this um, but from our perspective looking at the disparity between the UK for example which is literally an hour from where I am at the moment to go to Newry in Dublin between the defamation cases that don't exist in the UK or in the mainland and the defamation cases that are happening on a weekly or daily basis in in Ireland is vast and it's huge for me for somebody to set up in in Ireland from the UK That is fundamentally the biggest challenge when it comes to the security industry. And that's where training and many of my colleagues have spoken about. If training is given, if the correct protocols are put in place, this can all be mitigated. But unfortunately, for various reasons, it's not done. Um, Again, you're looking this time of the year, people want an extra 50 security guards for Black Friday. You know, companies do not have 50 security guards in a warehouse somewhere for Black Friday. So, what does that mean? You might have 50 security guards that aren't trained correctly you know, that haven't been given the necessary support and the fallout the following week or subsequent weeks might be uh, exponential growth in cases of defamation. So for me, the defamation between the UK and Ireland is, 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 is
1: vast. And, and forgive me, uh, you know, in my mind, defamation is a sort of a lawsuit brought against people that write something or say something that someone else says is not true. Um, what, what, what does it mean in practice? Um, are, are we talking someone, uh, questions their integrity as a security professional. What what does it really mean? Yeah, yeah so so we, we look at defamation, we
0: look at libel, and we look at slander. You know. So libel is the written format, or it's something that's said on the internet or on the TV, something that's there forever for somebody to see um, and to witness. We're dealing more with slander in terms of the spoken word. So when an officer approaches a staff member, when he hasn't followed the ESCONE acronym, which is the approach, selection, concealment, observation, non-payment and exit, where he perhaps has missed one of those, um, and he stops and questions a member of the public who's leaving the store, and they in fact have a receipt, or they have purchased an item, now they're in earshot of somebody else, and their good name has allegedly been taken, and now they will contact the uh, the client who will, in turn will contact us to indemnify them, and we could be looking at anything from 500 to 10,000 euro settlement, based on what a security officer has said, and that's rife at the moment.
1: Why is it, I mean, this is perhaps a question for a UK colleague, but, but... But why why do you think, Terry, that it's more of an issue in Ireland than it is in the UK? Is it literally that it is the law or it's that more people go down that route?
0: So it's really, social media hasn't that people do is take out their mobile phone and they want to film stuff straight away. Um, Obviously, the GDPR stuff has come in and and the request of CCTV footage, it has to be given to them um, under the data protection. Then we've also got it's an easy touch that if something does go to a court under civil law, it's at the whim of a judge. Um, costs are not awarded against the plaintiff if they're not successful. Costs are awarded against the defendant. Uh, we could end up in the high court, even the circuit court, um, and we're taking a chance. And unfortunately, as much as we want to fight them and we're, what we feel we could win, if we haven't ticked every single box, and even if we have, there is a small chance that the judge could award against us. And again, You might not be familiar with Supermax over here, but if you have a look into Supermax, they're a a big fast food chain. And again, they're dealing more with slips, trips and falls. But Pat McDonough is the CEO of Supermax. And in a recent article last year, he wrote that he actually paid out more in in costs than he had in claims for the previous year. So the associated costs can sometimes be more than the claims themselves. So the fear factor of going to court to fight these cases uh, in combination with everything else I've spoken about Companies will not take the chance; they would rather
1: settle for a thousand euro than perhaps having to pay 40, 50, or sixty thousand euro in court. And and I know you know that's why we've been talking a lot about private security in a retail context or uh, man guarding. Um, obviously, our listenership is primarily in the you know bodyguard EP CP space, but also you know man guarding. There are, there are there are there are colleagues, of course, that are that are part of this uh, arena. Do you think? this is a problem for the EPCP space, maybe just by holding somebody whilst your principal goes by, um, or maybe by saying something, uh, maybe this might happen more in the world of celebrity bodyguarding. I I don't know, Is is this a common complaint there as well, Terry? It's not a common complaint. It's not something, so when we look at corporate security, we look at the executive protection
0: sector, it's not something, again, it will be a smaller sector than the retail sector would be. It hasn't quite reached that. Um, holding somebody against their will against false imprisonment, that is something. I don't want to see it happen. And um, it's not something that that, that does occur on a, on, a, on, a, on a vast quantity. So it's not something that, that we would be concerned about. But listen, the way things are going, it could happen. But again, on the volume that, that it occurs, it's not something that I'm aware of.
1: Luckily. Luckily, no, I like that. And and but I'm but I'm glad to ask because maybe, and this is a hopeful guess. Maybe it's not happening because EP is so good at the escalation that it never exactly. gets there. I'd, I'd like to believe. So, so what else should, let's say, an EP or a CP uh, colleague better know when operating in the Irish environment? Um, I, I bet lots of people come in thinking, oh, it's just going to be exactly the same as the UK environment. Uh, apart from defamation, and, and that was an eye opener for me, is there anything else you'd recommend?
0: It's, it's a lot smaller. So again, it's a really, really small niche market. Um, and most of the tasks will occur overseas. And um, there are small tasks that do happen in and around Ireland, um, but it is a small scene. Um, and again, even traveling to the UK or, or overseas again, uh, my brother in is in Libya at the moment. That's where he's gone. He does two months on and one month off. He's home for now. So most tasks, it's a small industry. So it will happen overseas, but we haven't reached, and I don't envisage that we will see the kind of industry that's in the UK or in the States because the country is so small. The, the licensing, for example, the close protection license, the guys hold an SIA license and um, because at present there's not a, PS, a PSA um, variant on that. So that's something that's been looked at at the moment as well. So the training is there, but the PSA licensing is still to
2: come.
1: Right. So we have then this final quickfire question, which we want to integrate because I think it's, it's useful for every sort of session. What have we learned then? What have we learned throughout our discussion? We're talking workplace violence we're talking about training and we're talking about maybe reflections on, on Ireland. Uh, if we, if we were to sum it up um, and, and Sean, you know, please let me know if this is uh, the way we want to sort of combine everything. What, uh, what are we, what have what we, what have we discovered uh, going, going through this exploration?
2: And one of the things that Terry said, which quite shocked me actually was, was your workplace survey. Yeah. The, the levels of violence in the, in the past six months of incidents that to be witnessed and people who have become victims of and I think that shows amazon the need for training which you've you, you know you've said on a number of occasions it's, it's just interesting hearing a survey like that and hearing the figures that come back because I, I wouldn't have expected it to be so high as, as what you've just you've said it's in the UK for instance um but yeah I was quite shocked by them figures
1: I like it and, and for me also i, I... I'm, I'm, I'm sort of prompted by the level of different legislation, but yet the use of the SIA license in Ireland, I think that's a, a useful takeaway as well. Um, I guess moving forward, you know, we will come to do our workplace violence forum again, maybe next year. Do you envisage, and I, I mean, this is an open question, really not loaded. Do, do you envisage more workplace violence as, as we move forward, more confusing workplace violence? Because for example, on the podcast, uh, not the podcast, the, the event we had on Friday, we, we did talk about victims that could become violent, and we did talk about victims that attract violence to the workplace, which was a direction I was not looking to go into, but it, but it really opened my eyes. Uh, Terry, what, what, what do you think could be in store for us?
0: What I would like to do is I'd like to look at this survey again in six months' time. Um, it's something that I'm going to park offside now and look at it again in the future. But looking at it at the moment, the way COVID is travelling, the way people's mindset is... Looking around the various cities, seeing the f- feedbacks get that come back on a day forth, and um, it's not getting any better. That's that's all I can say. And um, so I would not be surprised if we're kind of in and around the same numbers in six months' time, or even worse yet again.
1: Okay, now that's a stark figure, but I think it's worth exploring. And uh, no, it's it's great to, uh, to to get your perspective on this, and and it's a nice sort of segue from. Uh, our event, to our podcast, to our magazine, you know, and 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 I think I think combining it all is is really what we're looking for. So, uh, from Sean and myself, Terry, this has been a fantastic look at workplace violence and a little uh, look at uh, the Irish uh, security scene. I think that was a very good uh, thing to do. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Take care. Have a great day.
2: Cheers, Terry.
1: Well, I don't know about you, Sean, but I was certainly surprised at how similar yet different the Irish security sector is. And of course, I'm surprised at that survey that Terry did. I'm really grateful we didn't do it in in a concerted effort together. It's just pure chance that he had done it. And we also were looking at it. I think that speaks volumes about workplace violence as a topic. Uh, What do you think, Sean?
2: No, I I agree. As I mentioned in the... Podcast, it, it did quite shock me as well. Them, them figures certainly, um, I, w- I wouldn't be expecting that in the UK. And Ireland is so close, so, so it, was, it was quite quite shocking figures. But what it goes to show, you know, the need for training and continuation of training, which we've we've spoke about a lot on the podcast in in a number of different areas. You know, if you, if you're a young security guard, a door supervisor, AP professional, and you and you're just starting out. It's you know it's fresh. You're, you're you're fresh to that industry. You're learning. you you're learning your trade. And as we discussed, you know the longer you spend carrying out your role or carrying out training, the more experience you get. And I think we described as you know you gain a, a sixth sense. You know your, your situational awareness increases. You get a better perception of things. You know of when the the line to be crossed. When do you go from the communication and de escalation to that point where you have to you know, physically remove someone from a situation and I think all individuals are different they'll deal with this in a different way and you know the more the more times you put in these situations the more adept you come at, at dealing with it so yeah training is a you know a huge area
1: it is and it doesn't seem to matter the cost because what you need to think about is the opportunity cost if you do uh, engage in physical altercations no matter how correct you are it doesn't look good right you don't want to get to that situation so 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 i i think people will sometimes say you know oh why, what if i spend too much money on training or i don't have enough budget or i don't want to send my uh colleagues you know off for for training but the alternative is you know traumatic, even if you're in the right even if you're legally in the right um the 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 other thing that i really found interesting was uh, terry's prediction almost that defamation is gonna get an you know become an even bigger issue because that's not something at all i would have imagined here i would have imagined uh all sorts of other conundrums but not defamation as as a topic stopping somebody in a store and saying excuse me i believe you might be a shoplifter i didn't think would land you in hot water um but the same thing could be true of EP and CP colleagues. Maybe they're just better at de-escalation. So aside from that, edition 61 of the Circuit Magazine is gonna come out. Uh, we're looking for more contributors, perhaps in workplace violence, but uh, what else could we be asking them to to help us with, Sean?
2: We, we said this a number of times, anything that's of interest to anyone working in the industry, could be medical, you know, driver training, celebrity protection, anything that's of interest where a reader's going to take something away and think, yeah, maybe I can learn something from that. And, you know, many people will read an article and they'll have their own opinion on it. You know, maybe they won't agree with something. Maybe they take something away from it. But I think whether you agree or disagree, you're, you can absorb the information and do with it what you wish. You know, if you don't agree with it, you can pop that to one side and think, I wouldn't do it that way. Maybe I'll do it this way. And it'll get you thinking, so how you may do things. So anything of interest to the security industry is very welcome within the pages of the circuit magazine.
1: And in fact, giving feedback in the BBA Connect app or the NABBA Protect app is ideal. Um, and, and, and don't be a, uh, you know, a, a shy uh, reader. If you like something or you want to see more of something, every time we post in the BBA Connect app, or maybe you make your own post, say, you know what, this topic, I want more of it. Or uh, conversely, if you disagree, absolutely voice your uh, disagreement. Uh, I, I think I mentioned before, when I put forward the idea, when we did a robot session with Mark Fulmer, I said, do we want robots or sensors or augmented technology to relieve some more mundane tasks for the protector? People had a lot of opinions. So in that same vein, we want more of those opinions. Great. Well, please like and share this podcast so we can grow the community from Sean and myself. It's been great to talk to Terry Conlon today. And we look forward to welcoming you to another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to
0: subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.